are listening to Poduck Fancast, a podcast created by Poduck fans for your listening pleasure. My name is Rita, I live in England, I tumble at Princess of Poduck and I tweet at RitaBytes. And this is Michelle, I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. And in this week's fancast, we will be recapping and discussing episode 504. It aired this past Sunday night on BBC One. So if you haven't seen the episode and are adverse to the spoiler thing, then we recommend coming back when you have. Now, let's begin with a recap of the episode. Okay, so this week's episode began with Ross back in London. He has apparently been there two months now. Hashtag Poldark time and has left Ned and the fam back in Cornwall. Ross is visiting Mr. Wickham, no, not that Mr. Wickham, and trying to convince him that Ned's a law-abiding citizen (laughs) and that Ned just wants to return to Honduras and live a quiet life. Mr. Wickham says that if Ned can behave himself until Parliament resumes again, then he will be granted his position back as governor. Ross promises that Ned is a changed man. He will live to regret that statement almost immediately. Uh, the carriage back to Cornwall is packed with Ross, Geoffrey Charles, Cecily, and her evil father, Ralph. When Cecily asks how Kitty and Ned are doing, Ross makes the mistake of telling her and her evil father about their planned return to Honduras. Ralph, who went to all that trouble to have Ned removed from his post in the first place, obviously can't allow that to happen. On Ross's return, he's greeted by Demelza, cute, and Ned, less cute. Ned has been busy while Ross was away and has taken up the cause of the former workers of Wheel Plenty, six of whom have been evicted for not paying their rent. Ross promises to help them and sets up England's first constituency clinic where anyone who has an issue can pop into the pub and he'll try and help them. A member who listens to his constituents. That's a novel idea. Do you think George will do the like? If George won't go to his people, perhaps the people should hunt him down. Hey, less of that, Ned. We're trying to make you look respectable here. Uh, Jeffrey Charles has learnt a lot from Marwenna. Reading, writing, arithmetics, but also how to romance a lady. So he takes Cecily to the wishing well of awkward teen romance, and after a lot of flirting, Cecily makes a wish. Speaking of Marwenna, Her school is a big success, but it is bringing back memories of John Conan, which conveniently leads to her running into him in Truro, depressingly enough. He doesn't appear to recognize her. Over at Trenwith, George is still very distressed, but a tad better. He has stopped hallucinating Elizabeth, but is now confused and asking for people to search for her, as if she were missing and not, you know, super dead. Uncle Carrie calls for Dwight's help, and Dwight asks that there be no locked doors, plenty of fresh air, sunlight, wholesome food, and company. So, you know, the basics of life. Speaking of Dwight, he also calls upon Nampara to visit a, quote, sick, end quote, kitty, who insists that she's fine and it will soon pass. When he tells Caroline, she gets snippy about how much Dwight admires, air quotes all over the place, uh, Kitty, and (laughs) wonders how she can compete when she, Caroline, lives such a frivolous life. And I I remember hearing Horace grumbling and growling through through the whole scene. It was so cute. I love that scene so much. He doesn't like it when mommy and daddy fight. No, he does not. 
Ross, meanwhile, seeing that Tess is an essentially terrible servant who is constantly making eyes at him, warns her that if she keeps pushing her luck, she'll be fired. Instead of taking that warning, however, Tess spends her time at the pub chatting with anyone who will listen about her revolutionary ideas. One of those people happens to be Ned, who says that violent deeds are a necessary evil to bring about change. Ross, who is still trying to rehabilitate Ned's image, is like, oh my god, stop it, we're in public. (laughs) Oh, but it's too late. Evil Ralph has been listening in and has formed an evil plan. He pays Tess and some lackeys to set Ned off on some revolutionary scheme. Shouldn't take much to incite that. Mm. Uh -uh. Meanwhile, Cecily and Ralph visit Trenwith, and despite George looking like he has been hit by the Petrificus Totalis spell, arrange the marriage of George and Cecily. Cecily freaks the fuck out and rushes to tell Geoffrey Charles, who also freaks the fuck out. He tells her she cannot marry his stepfather because she should marry him and that he loves her. That freaks her out even more, so she runs away. (laughs) Geoffrey Charles... (laughs) Heartbroken goes to visit his mother's grave where he runs into Ross. Question. Why is Ross there? God, I... Anyway, they talk about first loves and how, to quote Rod Stewart, the first cut is the deepest. Dwight uh, takes George to Elizabeth's grave, (laughs) heavy traffic day, huh? And tries to get him to recognize that his visions of her have just been memories. George talks about how Elizabeth's determination, and Rita, when you were putting together the recap, um, (laughs) the word um, determination, you'd left it as termination. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how ironic. (laughs) Oh, hashtag Freudian slip. Uh, But anyway, uh, George talks about how Elizabeth's determination to have another child ended up killing her and how he didn't need another baby, he would have preferred keeping her. Dwight insists that it is not the child's fault, it is not anyone's fault. Really? And George appears to take this to heart. Remember that little bottle you had stashed away, Dwight? Hmm? Well, he's trying to make him better, not like send him off to the cliffs again. Uh, (laughs) Ross rides over to Trenwith and makes an offer to uh, to buy Wheel Plenty. Carrie, never missing an opportunity for profit, doubles the price that it is worth. Ross, being stupid as ever, decides that that is fine. He can just get a loan. (laughs) (laughs) After Pasco is done laughing his ass off, he repeatedly warns Ross that this is a terrible fucking idea that he barely has any assets, and he would be risking everything he has, and begs him to reconsider. Meanwhile, Morwenna repeatedly sneaks onto the Whitworth estate to creepily watch John Conan play from the bushes, stalking techniques she learned from her husband, who incidentally is following her in this scene, but a farce. Uh, John Conan spots her spying on him, because she is not that well hidden, and wanders over to talk to her, which is really sweet. Um, She asks him to be her friend, and next week's conflict is firmly established. 
Dwight's therapy of George continues with a visit to Elizabeth's deathbed chamber, as I am now calling it. (laughs) At first, George is unable to recall anything about her death, but with some gentle prodding from Dwight, he starts to recall holding her hand as she passed and begins to sob uncontrollably as he describes how she was scared of the dark. Dwight comforts him with the notion that he was the last face she saw. George cries some more as he comes to terms with the loss. I mean, I'm just throwing Baftas a Jack Farthing right now. Yeah, Baftas. Well, let's hey, let's hurl a couple Emmys at his head. Just too, all of them. Give him an Oscar. It. It's he's yeah, not other eligible, but hurl, we just hurl, give it to him. Hurl, hurl, hurl. Anyway, when he's finally able to control himself again, he explains to Dwight that his uncle has arranged a marriage for him, or as he puts it, a business transaction. Must make the best of it. Speaking of. Cecily goes to visit Demelza for some advice on her upcoming marriage to Sir George. She calls marriage a cage and wonders how long it took Demelza to realise her mistake in marrying for love. Demelza quite smugly tells her that she made no mistake in marrying Ross. I mean, look at him. Mm -hmm. And that marrying for love was the wisest thing she ever did. Cecily's like, oh shit, (laughs) and realises that she loves Geoffrey Charles and goes to tell him. She finds him again at that damn wishing well and tells him they must elope and her father will never as her father will never consent to their marriage. And they kiss Um Ross spends the episode repeatedly running into Valentine playing alone. Where is the maid? Oh, that's right, she's with Ursula. Always and forever. <laughs> Anyhow, Ross decides he should pick him up and ride the boy over to the school Morwenna teaches. Valentine is not great with the other kids and ends up taking their books for himself. Are we sure he's not George's son? Nah, nah. <laughs> um, and Demelza looks concerned as she watches Ross ride him back to Trenwith. Also concerned is George. I confess. Ah, don't leave us be! Preach it! Um, but Carrie doesn't see Ross's horse and just assumes George is hallucinating again and calls for Dwight. Dwight is like the George Whisperer and manages to calm a raving George, insisting that Valentine is his and that his wife is still with him in the faces of his children. George takes comfort in his Ursula and his Valentine. <laughs> Whoops. Back at Nampara, Ross explains to Demelza that he feels responsible for causing Elizabeth's death. After all, he gave her the idea to have another early child. As ever, Elizabeth is given no credit for her own dumb choices. <clears throat> Can't mess with the St. Elizabeth vibe we, we got going We need to stop making season. those candles that we Catholics pray to. <laughs> with a picture of Elizabeth on it? Oh my god, new merchandise idea! <laughs> Over at the pub, Tess has stirred up an angry rabble and soon gets Ned on board to storm Treadwith to, quote, speak to George. The protest starts off cheerfully enough with some singing. Say ah, say ah, say ah. Say ah, say ah, say ah, say ah. That's the only thing I could catch. The okay. rest of it was all like. I, I had no idea. Um, as they wind through the streets of Truro, Tess and Ned happen to bump into Demelza, who sees a shitstorm coming when some of the protesters walk by holding clubs and rides off to warn Ross. Over at Trenwith, 
George is finally lucid and able to order his children upstairs when he sees the angry villagers approach. Ned bangs on the front door. Understandably, nobody answers said door. So Ned, egged on by Tess, breaks the door down, inciting a riot, check, trespassing, check, and property damage, check. This guy is so gonna get arrested. The angry villagers storm inside and yell stuff like, tear the house down. So it's fair to say that this isn't that peaceful anymore. George is standing up on the catwalk and refusing to engage with the angry crowd. Ned runs up there to talk to him, but George isn't feeling that obliging, being that they've all broke into his home and stuff, and they're all yelling about how they're going to destroy it. Mm -hmm. So he pulls out a gun on Ned, and Ned shoves him into a wall and down a whole ass flight of stairs. So we've got (laughs) inciting a riot, trespassing, property damage, and now assault. Hmm. On a lord. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyway, Ross shows up and offers George a suggestion to quieten the mob in his dining room. Literally in his dining room. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, uh, I have been away in the north and on my return discovered that my orders were incorrectly carried out. The closure of Wheel Plenty is temporary. This week, my mine captain will assess the damage caused by the rockfall. All workers will be reinstated. And in addition, we will take on more men in order to expedite a swift resumption of business. The mob satisfied disbands. Naturally, this being George, though, instead of thanking Ross, he's like, I did a great job! Please leave my house now. <laughs> Outside of Tranwith, in a scene that made me literally weep for joy, Demelza tells Ross that by putting their estate in jeopardy, he had overlooked the cost to their family and taken Demelza's understanding nature for granted. Ross finally looks like he's processing the magnitude of his own stupidity and says what we have all thought from time to time. You're too good for me. Ross. I mean it. When I dragged you from that dogfight, could I have known that you'd be the saving grace of my life? Oh, Ross, we forgive you. That was adorable. (laughs) Yay. Uh, At Nampara, following the clusterfuck Tess has created, Demelza rises up out of her chair like a boss bitch and tells Tess to pack her bags. She's fired yay uh, it was it was hard for me to say that word because of a show where a certain person used to say that all the time uh, uh, oh. <laughs> at least but there was no anyway. pointing in this um tess promises this isn't the last we will see of her <laughs> in london mr whitworth uh not that mr whitworth receives a note from an informant, i.e. Ralph Hansen, that Ned and Ross led a mob calling for revolution that stormed Trenwith and assaulted Sir George Warlegan. <laughs> awesome. Needless to say, the two of them are up shit creek without a paddle. The episode ended with Ross and Demelza lying in bed. Ross, enjoy it while it lasts. <sighs> oh, Ross. Mm. Okay, so... 
did you like the episode? You know, I largely enjoyed this episode, though I do agree with the consensus that it was a bit of a slump after a run of three near-perfect episodes. There were storylines I thought were a bit dumb and eye-rolly, but it was buoyed up by other storylines that I really loved, like George and Dwight in particular, and some really great Poldark family and Romelza moments. Yeah, I found the first 20-25 minutes to be pretty laggy, uh, but by the time things got cooking, the time flew by in giant gulps. Um, I do have a couple grumbles about a few things, but I'll save them for when we get into the plot lines. So, so Rita, what have you got for us in our historical fact corner this week? Well, what else could it be but riots? (laughs) Of course. We've seen a lot of riots uh, on this show. One every season, actually. Um, At least one every season. At least. But England actually did have a lot of riots throughout the 18th century and into the early 19th century. There were a lot of contributing factors war on the continent, propaganda about the French Revolution, and of course, as always, food shortages. The year of 1795 was a particularly rough year, and it was depicted as such on the show. Uh, Wheat crops failed and prices rose to their highest. During that period, the price of grain went from an average of three shillings to more than doubling to eight shillings. This obviously had a profound impact on the working poor with no mechanism for regulating the economy and wanting to curb the excesses of market capitalism, they took to the streets. And they were largely successful. Over hundreds of years, fears and threats of riots kept prices down. Actual uprisings, however occasional, gave these threats some real power. Now, the show depicted Tess as the instigator of this week's riot, and this reflected reality. Initiators of these riots were very often women. The popular example is of uh, 1693, when a large crowd of women went to the Northampton market with knives, determined to get corn at fair rates. In December 1800, which is confusingly maybe past are we still in 1800 oh i don't understand hashtag bulldog time the government introduced the brown bread act banning millers from making anything but wholemeal flour the act was introduced as one of a series of measures to deal with a severe food shortage caused at least partly by the poor wheat harvest of 1799 Labourers and their families at the time lived largely on bread, the price of which could account for more than half of their weekly wages. The act proved to be very unpopular and impossible to enforce. I see, I once saw a documentary about a group of modern bakers who had to work in 18th century bakery conditions, and needless to say, it was a hard job. Interestingly enough, Mm. I learned that the bread people ate at the time was largely white, the brown wholemeal flour left over from the milling process was really only given to the charity cases of the village. You know, unlike today where whole wheat is more expensive and trendy and all your hipsters eat it, at the time, <laughs> this kind of law would have been like forcing everyone to eat cast-offs. So they were not happy. In fact, it caused another riot. Uh, women stormed a mill and cut the meal cloth into a thousand pieces across the country. As a result... The act was repealed in less than two months after it passed. Wow. Wow. Well, I just did a very quick um, 
internet or Google search, and uh, 12 pence equaled a shilling back in the 1700s, um, and 20 shillings uh, made up a pound. So, you know, if we're talking about the cost of wheat going from four to eight shillings, um, that's almost half a freaking pound. Yeah. Which, you know, back in those days, that's ridiculous. Exactly. And bread that's ridiculous. was a large part of a, pe- a person's diet. Basically, all they ate in a day. That is why the saying, our daily bread, appears in most uh-huh. versions of the Lord's Prayer. Oh, gosh. Wow. The more you know. <laughs> Yeah, I had wondered, um, you know, as I was uh, reading through what you'd written for the history section, I was wondering if there was something uh, within a historical context in the song that they were singing uh, during that portion of the, the show. And so um, I, I couldn't find anything. Uh, but if any of you have a clue, drop us a note in the inbox. And let us know. That would be kind of cool. So let's dig into these storylines. First up is George and Dwight. Fucked me up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this scene destroyed me like body and soul. Dwight mm. was so wonderfully kind and protective of George, um, especially when Ross rides over to Trenwith and Dwight's just like, nah, bruh. Nah, not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> You know, he's offering George an opportunity to grapple with Elizabeth's death and, like, sort out the events and his emotions about it himself. And the way George processed things felt actually quite believable. He has come back to his senses but is still very much grief-stricken and, like, in a foggy depression still. Uh, The scene in Elizabeth's bedchamber where George recalls her passing and, like, breaks down sobbing. It was just so emotional and powerful to me, like... I can mm. watch Jack Farthing for the entire hour happily. Yeah, uh, that was just that was just incredible. Um, I really, really enjoyed this storyline, uh, and I agree with you about how emotional and heartbreaking it was. This, for me at least, was one of the storylines that suffered from a lack of time references uh, because of the way it unfolded. It made Dwight appear to be uh, an effing miracle worker. And moved George from being a delusional wreck to back to his normal self over, you know, a really super short period of time. Um, And, you know, granted, I think having someone who is providing that support and kindness as, you know, one moves through, you know, these these, uh, feelings of grief uh, can be incredibly helpful. to help get somebody to kind of start making those those tentative steps out of the 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 pit, so to speak. Um, I really think I would have enjoyed seeing the uh, development of the storyline take place um, a little more spread out over the course of the episode, which might have made it feel like uh, time was passing. So, um, a- anyhow. Um, one subtle piece of brilliance uh, related to this storyline, uh, and that had better be resolved before the end of the series, damn it, is the tension developing between Dwight and Caroline. Uh, you know, the fact that he has a new patient, which he can't talk about, 
And in her mind, Caroline is thinking that it's Kitty. Um, and, you know, we already know that, you know, Kitty thinks Dwight has taken a bit of a shine to her. So I just want y'all to deal with this. Get this dealt with, people. My Carolite heart is suffering here. So, Ross trying to buy another mine. So fucking stupid again. <laughs> Word. That was way too big of a financial risk to take on when he has so many people depending on him, and not just his children, but also everyone at his mind too. Ross, what were you thinking? I'm so happy that Demelza finally got to tell him how, when he behaves like this, and it's usually at least once a season, she feels taken advantage of, because it has been one of my biggest gripes with Ross. He never actually talks to Demelza about these decisions and he needs to prioritize <laughs> and protect his family sometimes. Anyway, my favorite thing about the whole situation was the return of Pasco, my lord and savior, and watching the scene where he just laughed in Ross's face for a solid two minutes was the best. Yeah. Oh my God. That was just priceless. Um, and I remember seeing, um, uh, Richard, God, Richard Hope or Richard, yeah, Richard Hope, um, popping up on Twitter talking about, you know, his return to the show. And I was like, oh yes, because he's one of my favorite characters. God, the way that he wound (laughs) up showing up in this show, this episode was priceless, priceless. Um, um, and but as you've said, uh, this whole Ross is an idiot for not talking about his very risky plans to Demelza. It, it, it for me, it's become a trope. You know, it's been utilized every single series, every single series of the show, and you know, some of the script for the episode could have been directly pulled from series two. You know, when Ross was you know, getting the money to give to to Elizabeth and, you know, all of that craziness. Um, yawn. I'm just, I'm just, t- I'm tired of reusing these things to kind of stimulate a certain uh, perception of the character. Um, and speaking of tropes, let's talk about Ned and his mob. <laughs> well, we had to have another riot, didn't we? Would it even be pulled out if the villagers didn't storm something or someone. (laughs) Now, this riot was a little on the pathetically small side. Supposedly they went there peacefully, though, but everyone was carrying weapons. What the fuck? Also, what the fuck, Ned? He was carrying a weapon, too. Uh In general, I find Ned insufferable, but never more than when he broke down the door at Trenwith. Oh, my God. Dude just escaped prison. And he's already breaking like 12 laws. He should be thinking of poor Kitty. Poor, poor pregnant Kitty. Don't be an idiot, Ned. Also get a job. How are you making money to support this potential family? (laughs) Well, truthfully, he doesn't know that there is a family that could be happening. But uh, to be honest, Ned has completely worn out his welcome uh, for me. I swear, if I didn't like Kitty so much, I would say he's suffering from some kind of syphilitic insanity <laughs> or something. But, you know, 
I like Kitty too much to wish that on uh, her husband. So uh, I think Ned has taken the 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 idiot trademark title away from Ross this season. Ned the idiot trademark. Not cute enough to make a t-shirt though. Just go away. No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, how about uh, Jeffrey Charles and Cecily? You guys, I just love them. I I may have cried during their emotional beach scene. Damn, Freddie Wise is good. Yeah. And Jeffrey Charles inherited the tearful proposal look from his father. Oh, God. R.I.P. Francis. R.I.P. Francis. Uh, In particular, I love Cecily for being dubious about marriage because... It's not a prospect I would look forward to in 1800s England if I were her. <sighs> when she caught it a cage, I let out a massive yas queen. <laughs> uh, she is amazing and she gets it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hate to say it, but I'm not sure that marrying Jeffrey Child is really the greatest move for her to make. No matter how cute and in love <laughs> they are, they're both very, very, very young. Yes. And once Cecily elopes, she will certainly not have access to their in- to her inheritance, and Jeffrey Charles literally has no money. The romance of it all will probably die out when they're penniless and popping out kids to support every year. <laughs> yeah, I I know one of the con the one of the comments we got, uh, which I know we'll we'll share in a bit, was how um, G Cecily, and that's that's, so that's my ship name for them. It's G Cecily. <laughs> Um, is how the, the G. Cecily storyline was almost a rewrite of the Dwarwenna storyline, uh, down to the visits to the well. Um, and I have to agree, but it didn't keep me from melting all over these two. Um, I just, I think they are absolutely adorable. Uh, and I, I have to say this won't end well. I just know it. And that's all I'ma say about it. Hashtag being all cagey and shit. I don't like how we're comparing this to Drawena. Drawena were like the basic bitch version of this, okay? There was no complexity. There was just her like, oh, you're semi-naked, I'm touching your back. Okay, I'm better, I'm over it. <laughs> Speaking of Mm-hmm. How about her and John Conan? I get it, she loves her kid. But he looks pretty happy. Am I the only one thinking this? I thought he would be like miserable with his grandmother who, if everyone remembers, one of her first lines was, good God, why is that child playing? (laughs) (laughs) But he was like going on walks in Truro, running around playing with his nanny. He even had a ball, you know? Yes. And he blessedly didn't remember Morwenna, so can't be like traumatized by her abandonment of him i think this is one of those situations where Mawena's interference is going to end up upsetting and hurting john conan in the long run let's face it it's not like she and drake can provide for him like lady whitworth can and this is a world where money and status are more important than a mother's love these are the hashtag facts they're awful facts but facts just the same uh, yeah, I just can't with this storyline, although the little boy playing John Conan is freaking adorable. He's got those little muffin cheeks. I just want to go up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't do this. I can't with this storyline. And from the previews, oh, this God. next week, 
Doesn't look like it's going to get much better. Brace yourself for me insulting Drake even more next week. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's not going to be pretty. Okay, so what was your favorite scene? Uh, Hands down, it was the scene at Trenwith when Romelza talks and Ross acknowledges Demelza's importance. Hallelujah! (laughs) I know! Uh, And the cherry on top of the Romelza Perfection Sunday was when Demelza told Ross she loved him with all her heart. Do you realize she has never said those words to him in this entire series? She's never out and out said, I love you. I mean, her dad, she needed to. She, like, literally budged into his room, like, take off my dress. <laughs> still, still, it's one of those things that has frustrated me uh, about the, the series. And I'm just, I'm so glad that, that, that she said those words and you could see his face kind of melting. And I, it, the whole scene was just absolute perfection. Um, you know, it, <laughs> At last, my love has come along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, Stranger from the Sea has a similar conversation that is truly one of the greatest Romelza moments in the entire series. Uh, and this gave us a taste of how awesome it is. Um, I'll post an excerpt of this scene on my Tumblr blog after uh, this podcast goes live, and I'll include a link to it in the post. Uh, on our show announcement so that you all can can read it it's it's just (laughs) so good so my favorite scene obviously pasco laughing at ross it just made me so fucking happy after years of him having to go along with ross's dumb schemes he's finally like (laughs) no stop this nonsense it felt really satisfying and will live forever in my heart i mean if nothing else it has made season five worth it (laughs) yeah the least favorite scene it was the stupid fucking riot (laughs) i am so over it when it comes to that i'm so tired of it you know what i think i was tired of it about three seasons ago and at this point i felt a wave of nostalgia like oh this might be our last riot Bye-bye, Ryan. Oh, you were so important. Uh, <laughs> my least Yawn. favorite scene was the fact that we had two scenes at Elizabeth's graveside. Oh. It's just overkill. I get it. She's dead. We're supposedly sad, etc. But the more it happens, the more of a joke it becomes and the less emotionally engaged we're all become by it. Like, Yeah, I, I am sick of the St. Elizabeth stuff. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Um, goodness, I'm done with a lot of things in this episode. <laughs> Next! <laughs> Next! <laughs> so, oh. uh, what was the performance of the week for you? Uh, uh, hmm. I, I, I wonder who it, It's Jack. <laughs> Jack does it again. <laughs> and since he's been all cured up, my guess is this may be the last time he gets this uh, award from me. I think. If he goes back to being his usual self, it's just going to be, oh, great, George is back. Woo-hoo. I don't know. Like, he he was kind of a dick in the his last scenes with Ross, but I was still like, 
Mm -hmm. Wow, there's vulnerability underneath that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what happens next week. His ability to be awesome is not limited to just... (laughs) To his his grief, to his grieving. Not to his nighty acting. No, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, I mean, personally... If the series uh, were to come to an end tomorrow, oh god, that's probably going to be triggering for some folks. Um, <laughs> um, I would say that Jack is the overall winner for series five. He's oh, I would agree. He's just incredible this season. And if he isn't, if he isn't nominated for a BAFTA, then we riot. We riot. Exactly that is a cause worth rioting for. I feel like maybe this whole rioting thing happening every season was just preparing us subconsciously for this moment. <laughs> That's what they want. Well, who knows? Maybe maybe he will start showing it in some of those um, like online contests. Yeah, all those online polls. We'll see. And I obviously agree. Jack's amazing. Although, I want to give a shout out to Freddie Wise this week for really capturing the raw emotion, but complete lack of chill, Aww. or any emotional maturity of the first love. He, the mm-hmm. way he made me cry was just very annoying. He's very talented. <laughs> Shame on you, Freddie. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how many tricorns would you give the episode? Um, a solid three. Um, I think the great moments that we had offset the ones that were really super annoying to me. So it brought it like right to an average of three. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.5. I came into this episode with really low expectations because of how much everyone complained about it. I could only watch the episode on Monday morning. <laughs> so it wasn't that bad for me. I was expecting it to be a lot worse. Still... So much better than most of season three and four for me personally. Oh, God. So, I got to grade it a little bit up. No, you you are kind, but uh, your logic is is (laughs) impeccable. Uh, I'm so wise sometimes (laughs) and so humble. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, what happened on Twitter? 52% of you thought it was five tricorn worthy. What? I know. What? All right. 26% said four tricorns, 16% said three tricorns, and 7% said two tricorns. As ever, Twitter doesn't allow a one tricorn option. We know some of you would have given it, but I don't care. It wasn't a one tricorn. Deal with it. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Not at all. The, The wonderful Romelza that we got and the great performances by uh freddie wise and uh jack farthing uh it, it, i i couldn't have given it a one i mean one tricorn alone for the scene where jeremy got to speak to his father i was like <gasps> i know i know i missed you papa dreams really come true when you believe people yes i, I love pulled our family time um anyhow um so let's head over to critics corner um, we have the uh, review from Gerard Gerard O'Donovan from the Telegraph. He gave it three stars, uh, and uh, he said, "We are used to mid-season dips in Poldark, and sure enough, last night's fourth episode fell a little flat. 
despite a goodly smattering of action and intrigue. The problem was it all felt so familiar. Hmm. <laughs> like a rabble of dispossessed miners that marched on Trenwith, supposedly intent on violence. Even with the involvement of nutty Ned Despard, Vincent Reagan, there was no jeopardy. We'd been there so often before, we knew Ross, Aiden Turner, would intervene heroically and the riot would fizzle out. Then there was Ross's crazy decision to buy the Warleggans collapsed tin mine, Wheel Plenty, at an inflated price, putting his entire estate perilously in hawk again. Yes, Ross is impulsive, but this is a dramatic device that has been used so often in Poldark that, frankly, it beggars belief that it's come up again. It's not so long ago, um, it's not so long ago that Caroline, Gabriel Wilde, had to step in to rescue him from debtor's prison. The more, old, the more Ross's old pal Pasco, Richard Hope, advised him against it, the surer we could be of where the rest of the series is headed. Yeah, so uh, I think that's a common theme that we have heard uh, not only earlier today in our thoughts and feelings about the episode, but I think some of the comments that we received in the um, from you all uh, in our inbox and on our various different social media. So let's read some of those comments, shall we? Yes! There is a lot of them, so thank you everyone who got in mm-hmm. touch. Let's start over on Facebook, where Katie said, So many thoughts on episode four. Demelza, as always, is amazing and what keeps Ross from making huge mistakes. Interesting interpretation of Moena slash John Conan. Tess is a menace and Ned needs to go bye-bye. Poor Kitty. I'm glad George is back. I love Valentine, but probably best for him to stay closer to home. Yes. Uh, Poor Caroline is lonely, cry emoji. Can we get one Ramelza love scene before season five is over? Please, please, please. (laughs) Um, And over on Twitter, there were some great responses on Twitter this week. Um, At... People, people, work on your screen name so that we can pronounce them. <laughs> Romsey Claire uh, said, Dwight is literally going to end up in the doghouse. At Ellen Cook 4 said, I really need more Carolite. And Horace. Two, am re- so relieved that Demelza showed Tess the door. Three, loved Ross and GC's talk at Elizabeth's grave. Four, Jack Farthing broke my heart again. But glad to see Douche Leggin is slowly Yay. returning. <laughs> yeah, I, I've missed that nickname. Uh, and five, uh, Romelza are heart emoji. Six, Ned is keeping it 100 emoji. Bad news. <laughs> uh, at Poldock Heart said, my list of issues just became too long. A very mediocre episode with a whole lot of issues, particularly characterization and underdeveloped or poorly crafted stories. George has barely looked Cecily in even one of her eyes, and we're talking marriage. That idiot Ned was a governor. <laughs> that is the most unbelievable <laughs> thing about this. Anyway, Caroline's yeah. jealousy storyline is so phoned in. How about a proper storyline true to her character? Valentine is stalking Ross and has seen him more times in an episode than his children have in four. <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. The trend with Riot was a joke. One session with Dwight using 20th century treatment methods in the 18th century and George is more or less cured. Sexless and Melza are now just besties that cuddle sometimes. Hey! I know. 
<laughs> the whole first love versus saving grace was a Debbie Horsfield cop out alongside the first love bites deepest stuff. Hugh Armitage, anyone? <laughs> Too much more to say. <laughs> Not a great show this week. At Elaine's lo- at Elaine Loves Life said, um, I read this under tonight's Guardian review. Uh, Dr. Annis is not so far ahead of his time. His ideas on, on the treatment of mental illness are very much in line with the approaches being developed by William Tuke at the York Retreat, opened in 1796, and by Pinay in France around the same time, which is really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Elaine. At JL? JL, I think, yeah. JL85. Again, work on your screen names, people. (laughs) Said exactly what I said in my latest tweet about the first Love Cuts Deepest comments. Have we all forgotten about Hugh, which hasn't been mentioned since once, versus 170,000 mentions of Elizabeth. (laughs) Ross saying one thing and then the exact opposite two minutes later must be the leitmotif of this series. Oh, that is so true. Yes. Um, yeah, and, uh, we've all forgotten about Hugh because nobody talks about Hugh. We don't mention Hugh. But that's how I feel every time Jeffrey Charles is like, my mother, my mother. It's like, you also had a dad who died. Can we mention Francis? Yeah, but he doesn't know his dad. Really. Not anymore. I think he's He was like at least eight or nine when he died. I'm just saying. Was he? Yep. I know it doesn't make sense because I can't you keep know, track. The kids yeah. changed every yeah. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, at Poldarkheart said, "I think Debbie Horsfield is pussy footing around this very simple matter because she's trying to serve two masters: honor Romelza, but also a more romantic view of Elizabeth and her impact than is in the books. She has a conflict, so the outfit is messy and inconsistent." JL. 85 goes on to say i wouldn't call it a conflict at this point it's very clear where season five is going with uh what with tributes to elizabeth every episode and valentine's constant presence in the story and his <laughs> wife especially <laughs> the only possible way to honor romelza was to portray them as winston graham wrote them here 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 <sighs> Okay, in email, the other Michelle says the things she loved, the development of Dwight's character. Um, expect him to bitch slap <laughs> Ross before the end of the season. Please, 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 Dwight. Please, I'm, I'm, I'm like living for that moment. Uh, Ghost Elizabeth is gone. Hair, costumes, and hair. Demelza and Gabriella's are stunning. Um, hates Caroline has a minimal storyline. Drake getting another storyline in which he does something stupid nice. in the name of love. Ross, now close to 40, still going on about first love that he had at 19. For the love of God, it's pathological and not in the books. Ross not realizing that Valentine's presence reminds Demelza of his infidelity. Ross's guilt over Elizabeth's death did not work for me. Everyone forgets Elizabeth chose every action she took in this adaptation. From who to marry, consensual sex with Ross. Preach! Yes! I felt the power of God come over me, I'm sorry. Um, in fact, she had the power to make choices. Others, Ross, Francis, George, for the most part, did not. Also, I cannot tell if Ross has grasped that he is Valentine's father. 
Uh, I think he does. I think he's in slight denial about it, though. He's like, you do this, yeah, because he's like pretending as if his actions about it have no consequences. He's like, this is fine. I'm just like totally hanging out with Valentine and stealing him away, and this won't upset Demelza. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We could probably go on for another two hours about that, but uh, let's 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 press on. Um, let's see. Um, Dwight, Demelza and Dwight know. I think George does too, regardless of what he said in the episode. George will raise Valentine as his son because of his love for Elizabeth, because he has his name, and because he has something of Ross's that Ross will never oh, have. Shit. Oh, snap! Ooh, mm-hmm. Well, other than Elizabeth. Um, Diana said, I felt this episode suffered the mid-season droop, maybe due to, in part to the change of director. The first 25 minutes felt so disjointed that on my first viewing, I stopped watching. There was such a lack of connection or subtlety between the overshort over scenes. Yeah, that was a good point. Those those scenes, everything just seemed to be kind of like clip, 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 clip. So Which, it, by the way, makes it a nightmare to do recaps. I want to maybe write more than one sentence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she continued, this made it very difficult to believe in the rest of the unfolding story, but thank goodness for Jack Farthing, Luke Norris, and Pip Torrens, who consistently give compelling performances. To those of us who remember the previous storming of Trenwith, which was a triumph, and the scene at the well with Drake, Morwenna, and Geoffrey Charles, the repetition of these events seemed out of place. Also at odds with the Poldark saga is Ross Poldark himself, overacting and seeming agitated in almost every in- interchange except when with Demelza. Sorry, my dog just shook. Except when with Demelza or Seamus the <laughs> horse. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's too late for this series, but I would send a plea to the production team if the series ever comes back for the last five books. Ross Poldark in series one commanded the screen by means of his stature, his voice, his charisma, and his composure. Gradually, in order to get across his daring streak, this has been eroded and his screen presence suffers. Please give us back the Ross we can believe in, as Winston Graham did so admirably. Having said all this, of course, I enjoyed it. It is Poldark, after all. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thanks so much, Diana. That was a great email. Um, Ivy said, so this whole, quote, let's make Caroline a joke shtick is becoming old. Did Gabriella piss off Debbie somehow? Now she's relegated to the jealous, insecure wife <laughs> who conspires with her dog. And she is so helpless and checked out that she needs Demelza to tell her when and how to protect herself? What happened to the fiery, self-assured, assertive, badass Caroline? We want her back! Next week looks exhausting. I was already weary after watching the preview. Drake arrested for kidnapping Morwenna's kid? Ross wrongfully charged and jailed again? Stop! Have mercy on us, loyal fans. Debbie, you're killing us. I know I shouldn't look a gift horse inside its mouth. Where did that expression come from? But it's her own fault for spoiling us in the first couple seasons and some of the episodes from the other seasons. Christina said, It moves me how much Ross and Demelza's relationship has grown up, and I think communication has been the key for that. I loved the scene where Demelza explaining to Ross that she admires that he was willing to risk their patrimony to buy plenty 
in order to help those who were struggling and that she would support him for the sake of the greater good, but that it hurts her that he sometimes takes that for granted and overlooks the cost that his decision may have for them as a family. And when she tells him, I love you with all my heart, God, it was breathtaking. Even Ross takes a deep breath. Oh, that scene is so good! I just want to see that scene on a perpetual loop for the rest of my life. It was so awesome. Let's see, uh, on Tumblr, a single scripture said, so many questions. Did Ross invent the first mp constituent surgery yes <laughs> is dwight such an amazing doctor that he got george back to his evil self in just one episode yes bye bye test don't you know prudy's the only servant allowed to steal liquor at nampara <laughs> oh pasco you speak for all of us when you laugh uncontrollably at ross's <laughs> latest attempt at a loan everyone's favorite banker was ashamedly team our hashtag team romelza who despite his worries were relationship goals with their new honest conversation policy. It's amazing. Shout out, yeah. Shout out this week for Ann Dudley's amazing music. It really added the emotion of George's troubling scenes at the start and added menace to the angry mob. Special mention to Valentine, who made me laugh out loud by snatching that book from his classmate. <laughs> poor, poor Jeffrey Charles was coming on a bit strong at the start of the episode, <laughs> but he managed to drag himself out of the friend zone and convert himself to husband material in record time. Where do you ladies see this storyline going? <laughs> As we said, nowhere well. <laughs> nowhere good. Nowhere good. <laughs> London Easter 59 said... Don't know if I was distracted or a bit bored by the first half of the episode. Yes. Like, I knew Ned and Tess would cause trouble and there would be the traditional riot on trend with. I love that we're calling it a tradition, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's almost like Christmas, you know? <laughs> it's riot season at Trenwith. <laughs> 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 and I knew that George would continue to be crazy, but don't expect Dwight to cure him so quickly. Loved the Ross-Valentine interaction. Loved Demelza and Ross at the end where she said, I love you at long freaking last. And Yuck. of course, there was the briefest of bare chest moments. I'm sure the tabloids will freak about about that. <laughs> so three tricorns. Next week's clip where Dwight lays into Ross about Ned looks fabulous. <laughs> And the look Caroline gave Ross when she said, when she and Dwight leave, it's like, you've been told now, wake up to Ned. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. Oh gosh, okay, uh, Anonymous said, splendid episode four, Demelza tells Ross she loves him. Yes! Um, R speaks to, uh... Ross speaks to... Speaks to Jeremy! I was like, okay, she just used an initial... And I'm like having to remember all my names here. But Ross speaks to Jeremy, which I loved. Uh, George broke me when he cried on the floor. He is brilliant in this. Feel sorry for Kitty. What a woman. They repeated Drake and Morwenna in the cottage. Children are learning about trees. Lol. <laughs> Love the Romelza dialogue. They are talking and open at last. It only took 13 years and two affairs. It needed <laughs> Are we sure it's only been 13 years? I feel like it's been longer. <laughs> oh, it needed more kisses, though. Uh, Ross still struggles with telling people he loves Demelza, and she was another choice. Elizabeth cuts deep. Yikes. 
anyway. Anonymous said, <laughs> hang Ned, please. <laughs> is he like this is so is he like this so we can stop judging Ross? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So in comparison, we actually should be grateful that Ross is not that bad. I'm bored. <laughs> hang him. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> what a message. Uh, another anonymous said, did you kind of cringe when Demelza said to Ross that he wasn't to blame for Elizabeth's death? I mean, really, if Ross hadn't slept with Elizabeth, Agatha wouldn't have said anything to George about Valentine being an eight-month baby. George wouldn't have been suspicious about Valentine's birth, and Elizabeth would still be alive. Um, no, because Elizabeth was also there making all those same decisions, people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And ultimately, nothing caused her to die except that potion. Anonymous says, you know, I can see the plot lining up with the books. This could be what the gap, what was the gap. The one that diverges, I think, is Valentine. I don't think if he had this attention from Ross and even Demelza, he would not become the person he is in the books. I care very little about him as grown and a little bitter that Ross said one line to Jeremy for, I think, the first time ever, and all this Valentine and Ross content. I don't mind per se. I just love Jeremy and want all that domestic, all the domestic, all of it. I agree. Give me more Jeremy. Yes, Jeremy is my baby. Jimmy, Jeremy and Clowns. Oh Jeremy and Clowns. There was like no Clowns this week after she got that no. epic look into Trenwith last week. I was like, are we going to get more Clowns? <laughs> No, they're just planting a great big giant seed. Okay, so Anonymous said three tricorns, nice middle of the road ep. Would Ned really be that much of a hothead? Does he not? Ma- does not make sense. Was Ross going to Elizabeth's grave when he saw Jeffrey Charles? Yes. Demelza was a different choice, not the best choice. Ross. Oh my God, he really sees Elizabeth as hearts and flowers. Do you think Ross knew George was ill? No. And that's why he let him think he had sorted the right? No, Ross is not that smart. Jack was brilliant in this episode and White worked wonders, although very quickly disappointed in a rehashed episode three scene with Drippy Drake and Moena. Oh my god, mm. I need to make Drippy Drake merch. With like Drake, <laughs> but like dripping in water. Oh my gosh. Well, doesn't we do have him floating... There was a scene where he was floating in the in the, in the water. In the water for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. There was that scene. Anyway, um, do we know that Ross was heading to Elizabeth's grave? We don't know why he was there. Yeah, we don't know why he was in the churchyard. He wasn't... His, his, it doesn't, to me, I don't think his intention was that he was going to the gravesite and just happened to run into Jeffrey Charles at the same place. You know, we have to remember that he has family that are buried in that cemetery. He has a daughter who is buried there. There are other reasons for him to be there. It's just weird because he's, he's never there. You never see him actually going to the site to like see Agatha or Julia mm-hmm. or... Oh my god, can somebody remember that Francis lived? <laughs> I know. I know. Francis's grave. Did we ever see Francis's grave? No. Nope. Anyway. Any no. Nope. Nope. Oh, sorry. Anyway. It's just confusing. Why was he there? Yeah. Who knows? But I'm so I'm I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that he was there to see Elizabeth. 
Well, he might have. We have a scene with Demelza looking at Elizabeth's yeah, grave I at mean, this point. Exactly. But, you know, she and Caroline were clearly there to visit their own children's graves and happened to notice Valentine at his mother's gravesite. Um, Can we have less grave scenes? That's all I uh, want yeah, for the rest yeah, of season There's five. a whole lot of traffic going through that graveyard this season, you know? The whole of the cast is under there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Um, and I need to rewatch the scene where Ross and Jeffrey Charles are having that conversation. Um, you know, I don't equate what Ross was saying about, you know, first loves, you know, they cut deep, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm not taking that for him discounting what he now has with Demelza um, at all. Um, you know, I am mumble mumble years old, and there are times when I think about my first boyfriend, um, you know, way back when I was, a, you know, in high school. Um, and I do think of him with uh, fond memories. Um, so it's not impossible. Hey, if you're listening, please get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm quite happy now. Thank you very much. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with thinking about a first love from time to time. Obviously. I think the problem is that Ross has done it quite a lot in this show. It, it felt right in the con, this is like the only context where I'm like, this is an acceptable conversation to be having. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, think about it. It's been a year since her death. So, it's still something that is very fresh for everybody uh, concerned. And so, you know, I'm, I'm cutting everybody some slack. I think I just felt uncomfortable because, as always, I'm a Francis fan. And so yeah. when the complete dismissal of, hey, like, what about Francis? What about yeah. his role? And what about how he felt about the situation? And, hey, Elizabeth and Francis' relationship wasn't a complete wash. Why are we pretending that, like that relationship was nothing yeah i hear you hashtag justice for francis and elizabeth's marriage it wasn't all terrible they were happy for a bit yeah i i hear you i hear you okay god okay um (laughs) back back to tumblr (laughs) back to if you couldn't tell we we are very much obsessed with this show um and series um this is another message from tumblr um and it's from soul sister um, and I believe this is the first time she's written out to us. So welcome. That's a great um, username, by the way, because it's spelled S-A-W-L-E. Mm-hmm. Soul sister. Mm-hmm. That's cute. We see what you did there. Um, hello, my lovelies. Well, hello right back. Um, I came to your podcast late, but have been making up for lost time at great cost to job, husband, and home. <laughs> but I digress. Um, suffice it to say, I love to listen. I have so many things to say after this week's viewing, but in the end, the most important theme uh, is a topic for wig talk. Wig talk. Yes, wig talk. Um, I come away hell-bent to, if not to defend Ross's hair, at least offer up a possible explanation. I know, I know. Subtle ladies. The wig thought came to me yesterday after Ned once again caused way more trouble than he was worth. That precious and adorable Romelza moment outside Trenwith, 
the one where they were talking to each other like adults and then made heart-melting declarations of love and devotion. They looked happy in love, and, and here it is, kids. Wait for it. Wait for it. Older. <laughs> my wig theory was solidified after my 843rd viewing of this altogether lovely swoony gif, and we'll put a link to this. Um, it was done by Valkarian Dusks at Tumblr.com, um, and it is a gorgeous. Um, I think the wig is a way to show Ross aging without having to unrealistically age him up. I think the wig placement and choice is purposefully done to amplify Aiden's already slightly receding hairline. I think Eleanor is doing the same thing. She either made the acting choice herself or it was suggested that she put on a little weight. Her breathtakingly beautiful face gives Demelza a different look in this last series. Putting on weight is a natural, uh, though dreaded, outcome of childbearing and aging. Just as they have matured emotionally, I think this was a concise way to demonstrate they have aged physically as well. It's only been five years of shows, but in Poldarkia, it's been more than that. The first season, Aiden didn't wear a wig. That was all his hair. Oh, yes, it was. Uh, thank you, IMDb. The second season, he mentioned it was much shorter. Oh, God. Yes. Let's not speak of the season two wig. It oh, has gone from my life, thank God. Oh. It is it is an abomination. It's an abomination. I'm crossing myself. There we go. Um, let's see. Um, and it is in the show as well. But this 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 thing, <laughs> I think it makes his expressive face look too hard and distracts us from the spectacular acting he does with just his eyes. He is a master at making them grow warm at the sight of Demelza. The only time his hair isn't distracting is when he has his hat on. In fact, I want him to keep his tricorn on at all times. Insert picture of he and Demelza lying in bed with a bare-chested Ross wearing his tricorn <laughs> here. Which, oh my god, that would be awesome. Uh, so, my dear girls, no, I don't like the wig either. Aiden is a beautiful, beautiful man, and that rat on his head is horrible. But I get it. Keep up the great work. I am your humble servant, etc., etc. Can everybody please Thanks. sign their emails with I am your humble servant <laughs> now from... Oh, man. Oh, man. Thank you so much. That was such a great, great uh, comment. Really appreciate it. Um, so how about we slip into the wig talk section? Can we wig talk? Can we wig talk? Talk about where it's growing. So let's talk about Saul's sister's post. She raises an incredibly good point about the aging of the characters, don't you think? Look, I think it's just a bad wig, hon. I mean... <laughs> Come I, on! Aiden's hairline was at roughly the same place last season. I even went to season four pictures and checked. <laughs> it just, like, wasn't as noticeably receding because it looked natural with his own hair and curls. The wig just sort of adds to how conspicuous it is and makes you just like look at his hairline and like wonder <laughs> what's going on up there. What happened? What happened? Um, but no, I think I think that I can see uh, Saul's sister's point as well. Um, if 
if this was all done in order to have them appear to have aged, then I'm going to say bravo. I'm going to try to be glass half full for a split second of time. Do you really think it's intentional? Or do you think it's just a happy coincidence? <laughs> let me let me have my dream. Let me let me have my dream and just 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 for Let's a just couple pretend. more seconds. Let's just please. pretend. Yeah, they're totally meant to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyhow, thanks again, Soul Sister. That was great. Okay, now it's time to look ahead to next episode. Here's the trailer, people. Mm-hmm. Buckle in. He is the hero. I am the villain. So what's the solution? Revenge. The bank has been obliged to issue paper instead of coin. How hard can it be to make like notes? You stole him away? What are you thinking? Lock him in the stables and call the constables. Having such a document in our possession would ensure immediate arrest. Death to the monarchy! We're going. If he falls, he takes you with him. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Oh, God. All right. So, uh the episode description from Radio Times uh, is when the bank start when the banks start issuing paper notes instead of gold, Demelza finds herself thrown into uncharted waters with her workers and the locals, a situation taken advantage of by Tess and Jacka. Jacka, what the hell, man? I thought he was they cool did- with the Poldocks uh, again. So did I. Okay, okay, okay. Back back to the description. Morwenna tackles the grief of being parted from her son while Jeffrey Charles makes plain his intent to marry Cecily. I mean, again? Landing both of them in trouble. Oh, God. I think, I think he's going to be making it plain to people that he really shouldn't be making it plain to. I thought she was going to elope with him. That was the only yeah. good idea. Ugh. Just get your ass up to Gretna Green and get it done, man. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, George conspires once more against Ned and the Poldarks. Oh, of course he does. Um, as he and his allies enact a plan to destroy their opposition for good. To be fair, they did Drama. just write up in his living room last week. And what Ned pushed him down a flight of stairs. <laughs> True enough. Although Ross did save him, but you know, he's going to forget that. Um, anyhow, it's drama starring Aiden Turner. And nobody else. It's a one man show. Yes, drama. Wait till you see his George wig. <laughs> okay, so what are you looking forward to in next week's episode? I want to see how the hell Cecily plans to get around her father and marry Jeffrey Charles. It can't possibly end well. Nope, not at all. Not gonna do it. Um, I'm looking forward to as uh, uh, Londonista fifty nine uh, mentor fifty nine fifty nine mentioned uh, earlier uh, some verbal ass kicking by Dwight to Ross. I mean, seriously, you know how much I love the idiot, but Ross needs a talking to, and Dwight is about to deliver that hard. Saint Dwight strikes yes. again. Deliver us from this rough stupidity, Dwight. Please. And now it's time for Pole Dark News. Oh, just the best jingle. Um, 
Poldark will be on from 8pm to 9pm on Sunday the 25th of August. That's episode 7 of the season. The 9pm slot will be taken over by Peaky Blinders and it's season 5 premiere. BBC One say they will be announcing something, quote, exciting over the next few days about the season, so we will obviously keep you all informed when we know what this is all about. But I'm kind of crossing my fingers for a Christmas special. Wouldn't that be fun? That could be a lot of fun. Please. Please give us something nice. (laughs) Maybe this is what uh, Eleanor was talking about when it came to a cliffhanger. You know, that um, tomorrow's episode will be... um, the last one and then we won't get anything for a little while next week actually next week is five 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 so they could give us five five and then the following week five six and then five seven is the uh, yeah because there's eight episodes the seventh mm-hmm. is airing early it would make sense if they put this the seventh episode right before the premiere of Peaky Blinders and then we're like right ooh Poldark will be back at Christmas but Poldark that's just like yeah, news. my theory Poldark it's probably something news. completely stupid <laughs> yeah yeah anyhow okay keeping our fingers crossed people keeping our fingers crossed people um hey and it's now time for the Poldark card game question of the week so I have a card held here, uh, thinking about a number between one and three. Give it to me, Rita. One. At George Warligan's ball, Ross gives Demelza a valuable necklace. What does she do with it? A. Sells it. B. Gives it to Ginny. Or C. Gives it back to Ross so he can bet it in a game of cards. C. Depressingly enough. <laughs> I know. I love answer B. Gives it to Ginny. Why the, what the fuck would huh? Ginny do with it? <laughs> also, when when did Ginny disappear? Seriously. I mean, she just, like, vaporized. She is living where Pasco was briefly at and uh, Dr. Choke, wherever he was for, like, three years. They're all on the same, like, island off Cornwall together. Living happily. Mm-hmm. There we go. There we go. Uh, the other two questions on the card. Uh, Ross inherits his pa- his servants, the paint. Ross inherits his servants, the painters, from his late father. True or false? True. And while Marwenna is pregnant. Pregnant? Pregnant. Wow. Uh, while Marwenna is pregnant, who does Reverend Whitworth begin an affair with? Oh, her sister. The sister's name. Oh, I always get confused between Moena and her sister. What the blah 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 blah. It's very similar to Moena. God, what is her name? Rowella. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> I I get it mixed up between Morwella and Rosina and Morwena. It's like all of these names are making me crazy. Oh, like season. <laughs> Four recaps were just a mess of me. Oh, they were nightmares. and the names. Ugh. They were a nightmare. Ugh. Damn you, Winston. Okay. I know, right? It's uh, not as well, bad as when is... I got Ballantyne <laughs> wrong or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Um, okay, well, that is all from us this time, but we will be back next week recapping and discussing episode 505. Until then, follow us on social media, where we will keep you guys up to date with new promotional photos, cast interviews, and other general news. 
We are at Poldark Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to be read out in the in-book, in-box section, then email us at poldarkfancast.gmail.com or go to the message page on Tumblr. And remember, you can now listen to us on Spotify. So remember to follow us there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. Will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me? Beyond the barricade, is there a world you long to see? Then join in the fight that will give you the right to be free.